0: Hi, this is Ashley Faraud, and you're listening to Behind the Bio, the podcast about the people behind the professions. In this particular episode, Dan Cusack is my guest. He is the man behind Revive Landscapes, very much a self-proclaimed plant man, and somebody that's actually launched a new business recently called Housemates, which we'll discuss in detail. But just think of Uber, but for plants. So plants to your home. A novel idea, most certainly for us. Now, Dan talks about a whole bunch of things, clearly his passion for everything organic and plant and why he got into the industry, but also the interesting switch that he made relatively early on in his career from a completely different scene, which was of music, to this space of landscaping. His passion for nature, agriculture and all those things, including compost, is most certainly infectious, as I'm sure you'll find out. If you're interested in the world of gardening, landscaping, houseplants, or even small business, then most certainly this is the podcast for you. I'd like to thank the coordinate Group for being part of this podcast series right from the very beginning and making it all possible, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dan Cusack on Behind the Bio. Hey Dan, how are you going?
1: Really good, thanks Actually, how are you?
0: Good, good, thanks uh, for taking the time to see me. Just as we were walking up the stairs here, we started talking about all the friends we've got in common, which is kind of lovely.
1: Yeah, camera, <laughs> typical camera story.
0: And I like how I said, hey, you're really great friends with AJ. And you know, you said, yeah, we've been friends since I've been like four or something. And I'm like, I'm glad you said that and you didn't go oh, yeah, I've met him once. And then you get that weird situation. So that that worked out well. Um, And apart from that, I think we've got a lot of people in common. Um, And as we were talking, uh, we'll go back to this because I think it's kind of worth for people to know. But we're going to be talking about you essentially owning a business that's all about plants, (laughs) plants, <laughs> vegetation, yeah. and that aspect of it. So in other words, your business. But then what's interesting is you, know, you were saying that you worked at UC, at UC Live specifically, Yeah. So this University of Canberra, kind of like the live music uh, component quite some time ago. And that's where you remember me from when I used to DJ at Academy and so forth and the relationship with events then. That was like, what, 13 years ago, right? Yeah,
1: something like that. Yeah, you were definitely the big wig. I still remember, <laughs> I still remember the posters, the big, bold Farad. Sorry if I've mispronounced. No, that's absolutely fine. Big riding at the top. Yeah, you were definitely um, killing it back then, I yeah, remember.
0: and what have I done in my life now? <laughs> no,
1: still killing it. Is, is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> not at all, not at all.
0: Yes, I do. I do wake up in the mornings and wonder
1: <laughs> you doing too much? what's happened
0: with all of it. Yeah. So why don't we begin in the business? Most people will know about it, but why don't we talk about that? And then we'll kind of go backwards because it is interesting. It seems like to me that in terms of your education and, of course, the work that you were doing in live music, that had very little to do with what you're doing here, and you made a conscious decision to make a change, which I think is going to be the interesting part to discuss. Yeah. But first, let's talk about where you are in your life right now. Uh, The current business, which is called?
1: Housemates. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How long have you had it for?
1: Well, I guess technically, um, Housemates is kind of a side business at the moment. My main income comes from Revive Landscapes. I'm not sure right. if you knew that. Well, exactly. That's what I was going yep. to say. So yep.
0: would you say Housemates is the bigger focus? No,
1: well, uh, equal, it's, it's tricky. <laughs> equal focus, um, minute income right now. So sure. yeah, Revive Landscapes is the big one, and we can talk about that. But yes, Housemates is probably been an idea for, I'd say, five years, thereabouts. Um, uh, it's pretty important to mention, you know, I've got a landscape construction background because that's where I guess the idea and I guess the gap in the market was seen for me being in that world. Yeah. Um, and then I saw a gap in the market to deliver plants to people because that's how we receive them as landscapers. And I just felt like, how good would it be if everyone could access this service? Because it just it can be a pain to have to you know go to the nursery or Bunnings and load up with plants, especially if you're not really sure what you're after. Mm. But I feel like if you can look online, pick out the plants you want, and then just have it delivered to your house. So that's kind of the premise of the business, but it can be so broad now. Like I'm really excited about like all the possibilities around. Like I already sent you a photo of the refectory, some dead plants. I was like (laughs) sort of half joking, but like I see that as an opportunity. I'm like, who do I talk to to like put some good plants here because it's important. So of course I'm biased. I'm you know 11 years in in horticulture and being around plants, but yeah. I do have a, a an interest in them, and I think there's some, so many benefits. Mm. Um, so look, yeah, it's five years as an idea, but I guess the official launch has only been a few months, so yep. it's still you know in its infancy. Um, and the
0: best way to describe it is that people can order particular plants for their homes online. At this point, it is called Housemates. So I'm presuming it's residential rather than.
1: Cool. yeah right. i mean look we um we just actually had a bit of a chat uh the good times who are the legends behind the brand and the people i'm working with for my adword campaign we kind of put our heads together cause like how can we hit this market and mm-hmm. i had the idea during the meeting to like get plants delivered is the message i'm trying to like the three words that want to sum up this business and while we we're chatting in this zoom chat i just looked up the domain and sure enough com was free yeah. so i registered right there or benny did and um that's what's sort of plastered on the side of the truck and, and that's what I want people to remember because really I can deliver all plans. Indoors are kind of cool and accessible and there's probably a gap in the market there, but um, eventually I'm hope that Housemates is known as all plants, yep. you know, so whether it's... So nursery to you. But yeah, maybe, that's but right. Yeah, from wholesale nursery to you. Exactly yeah. right. So that's the best way to summarize it. So, you know, the nurseries do the hard work. I'll look after it here and then I'll make it really easy. Yeah. Um, that's, the, that's the dream. That's
0: the dream. And so that business came out of, obviously, the Revive Landscape work. Yeah. Now, was that, and just to kind of make it clear for people, landscape design and delivery?
1: Uh, so my focus is landscape construction. So, yeah, interesting okay. you bring that up. Actually, so I... Yeah, I definitely work with landscape architects, landscape designers. I think mm-hmm. there's a massive um, strength and, and skill they bring and we complement each other. So, you know, they they study university and they do their thing and, and we study our TAFE and get hands-on and, and do the grunt work and it's a really good, you know, mutual, mutual beneficial
0: So, it's like skill. the builder to the architect?
1: It's 100% the builder okay. to the architect. So,
0: but do clients reach to you direct or if, or do you always need a... So in other words, you know, you can go to, sorry that I'm talking about builders here, but no, you know, you works. can go to a builder, right, and say, I'd like a home, and they can deliver that for you, including the design. They will either lean into a partnership with an architect, they might have someone in-house, they might have a dress person, whatever, mm. um, but they're slightly different things. So do people come to you direct with saying, look, I've got this garden, I'm having troubles with it, or it's a brand new block, or whatever it may be, yeah. and do you deliver that service in full, or do you then tend to like lean into contacts that you've got in the architectural design, sorry, landscape design space, and then build that. So I'm just wondering where that distinction is. Actually, I
1: love this this comparison because in my <laughs> mind, it should be thought of the same way. And yeah. I've been pushing for this for literally 10 years. And look, it, it, it's getting better now. But 10 years ago, when I brought up design to people, they're like, oh, can't you just figure it out? And I'd be like, well, look, we can try and do something. But these guys actually – like." You know, They study this and it's a skill and a mindset and, and we need to respect that and mm. actually pay them for their time. Yeah. So let's get them around you for a consult. Yes, they'll charge you. Of course they will. They're a professional and then you'll pay for the fees but then we'll get a great result. So it's literally, I think of it as the exact same. So to answer your question, um, I work with different landscape architects and designers. There's a couple that I work with with a lot but essentially if a client comes directly to me and I think they need a design, I'll sort of push them through. I'll recommend that they go and talk to a yeah. Yeah. An architect and vice versa you know mm. if, if the clients go directly to the architect they'll generally recommend three uh, construction companies that can build the garden so yeah. like i say i think it's 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 pretty much the same and i think the mindset it's either changing or i'm just getting sort of better customers but it feel like more people are actually understanding that and respecting the fact that they are going to have to invest a bit of money but get a much better result mm. um so yeah that's probably how i think maybe the
0: confusion it. also comes from you know this notion of landscaping generally the idea that you know you've got some kind of a garden and you do, you need advice to make it better or some part of it needs fixing like I know, mean, the lawn's gone yeah and so you want new soil and yep. whatever else and i kind of think people automatically assume that okay i'll just reach out to a landscaper right but i guess maybe what we're talking about here is something that's just a little bit higher than that and i'm sure you could just do grass component if you needed to, but really we're talking about greater changes. You know, should there be a retaining wall? What kind of plantation would you have to kind of cover this particular fencing? How long will that grow? How will that live through winter? I I guess you're giving much broader... (laughs) almost strategic like advice rather than just simple solutions for your garden
1: and it's the bigger picture stuff too so i mean yeah like 11 years i've been doing this in the early years i was doing literally anything from pulling weeds to replacing lawn to putting in drip lines but i always wanted to be doing the bigger stuff so i kind of like i said i continually push this design because that does give you the bigger work which is much more challenging satisfying rewarding but also to be honest, from a business perspective, you can sort of settle into a project for three or four weeks, mm. which is probably a typical time frame, or even six to eight weeks for a big project, instead of running around trying to do a four hour job here, a one day job sure. there. So yeah, that's we're really lucky now to be in a position where we're pretty much doing these back to back bigger projects that have fantastic designs. Clients are understanding that we're going to be there for a while and um we really get to, you know, transform the space mm. and I get a lot of joy out of that.
0: That's awesome. Mm. I mean, it's maybe um, I don't know how true this really is, but there's a couple of homes around where we live, and you know we've seen them go up over the period, and um, some of them were knocked down and rebuild, some of them were just being redone. Mm. But what we've noticed is, you know, people and rightfully so, leave the garden till the end because mm. you know, otherwise we get trampled and stuff. Yeah. And the, the nice thing is they take their time and they obviously pull their money together and probably the right timing of the year to do this. And then they put these gardens in, and you can really tell the difference of the gardens that have been thought through that look good from inception. Like, even though the plants are tiny and all the rest of it, it already looks great. And then, you know, as we're walking past them month and month and end, years go past, you can see how the plan of that has actually worked really well. It's not that some things die because no longer do they have sun, but quite on the contrary, they work together. You can tell that whoever's thought about that has thought about it very well from a design perspective, but also all the intricacies of the vegetation and also the fact that somebody's come and done it in such a professional way that the plants actually love where they are and they get yeah. the right amount of water. Um, so I'm presuming what you're leaning into is, is those kind of solutions. hundred
1: percent. Yeah. Like there's actually a lot in, in landscaping and I, I think, I hope that the... Um, I don't know, I feel like, and maybe this is just me, but I think there was a bit of a a misconception that, (laughs) <laughs> landscapers are just gardeners or whatever yeah and i think that's probably the worst thing you can say to a, a landscaper No, no offense to gardeners. i'm a gardener that is huge that's just
0: just a, just a that, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> i think it's it's landscape construction there's a lot around you know a you know, healthy soil profile around um, imaging, uh, a successful irrigation system getting healthy plants getting the correct plants building the structures that are going to last um working in the elements like mm. it's 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 really cool. And I'm not trying to like oversell it, but that's I think the appeal for me as well, because it's so challenging and diverse. And I'm not really someone that sits still very well. In yeah. fact, I'm like fiddling around <laughs> really? over here right now, right? Yeah. But um but yeah, like it's it never gets boring. Yeah. It's never boring. There is so much to learn and um it's really diverse. So yeah, it's it's really it's a fun thing to learn, but it's a hard thing to sell because at the end of the day it's it's essentially a luxury item. I mean, mm-hmm. people want to focus on their kitchens and their bathrooms and drop a hundred grand there, but but when you say it's a hundred thousand dollars. To do your 500 square meters around your house, mm-hmm. they might flinch and be like, oh. "Yeah,
0: it's interesting though." I think that there is most certainly a change with that too, and just like you're saying, there's a change so. from the idea of landscapers being gardeners, like in the you very generic sense, mm. to, to also very, becoming very specialised in design and construction and what have you. Yeah, I, I think this idea of the value of good gardens or appealing gardens or functional gardens, actually all of the above, yeah, uh, has really kind of sunk in. I, I, mostly because People know that homes with great gardens sell for a lot more. There is a value that we as human beings attach to to gardens that look good. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's the dressing of the home, you know, and everything 100%. else. And I think the other aspect to it is, in terms of communities of different suburbs in Canberra, it's got a bit of a contagious effect. So, you know, if on a street everybody's just like, meh, Absolutely, weeds, then everybody's, this. meh, weeds, right? But then what happens is a couple of people start kind of doing something with their garden. And then next the neighbours go like, well, they've done this. Maybe I should do something. And before you know it, you know, half of them and more of them end up being styled in one way or another. And there is this kind of community pride in the presence of the homes and the street. Because what's interesting is you tend to enjoy it as much when you come home as the people that are walking their dog and driving past. So it's actually quite a nice way of binding people to that, that kind of aesthetics.
1: Yeah, it's really cool to sometimes, you know, you might have some, like a table and chairs in the front yard as like a way to interact with your neighbors. Mm. Exactly like you say, like it might be cul de sac and you'll actually put a fire pit in the front and you're like, well, why don't we actually create a little environment here where you can invite yeah. your friends in and have a chat? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's 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 pretty great. I love yeah, it.
0: That, that, it is, it is contagious. Actually, not to go down completely the wrong uh, kind of story here, but Emily and I went to New Zealand quite some time ago. It must have been before COVID. Mm. And we were in a place called Arrowtown. Um, Heard of it. Yeah. Just outside of Queenstown, I Correct, think. Correct. That's yeah. it. Now, it's just a very quaint village. But the thing that caught us about it, everything had its purpose. And it wasn't seamish. It was most certainly done to regulations in terms of, roof heights, colours. It just all beautifully worked. And every single garden was really nicely done. All trees were perfect in terms of the placement. And then we realised they've got exceptionally strict regulations when we looked it up. But I think... It goes back to this idea that uh, I, th- I think when you look at other people's efforts, you tend to eventually think, maybe I should do the same thing, and it's actually quite nice. And, yes, you can spend 100000 mm. but you can also spend less. That's and right. You can make little
1: changes too. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't take much. Like my my pet hates, uh, sorry to anyone listening, <laughs> red tan bark, <laughs> and um, <laughs> so that dyed tan bark, I, I struggle with that, and just pebbles as like a to cover large areas. Like there's, yeah. there's things you can do. Like there's ground covers. There's, you know, a few trees. Some trees aren't expensive. Expensive, mm. And, um, you know, a bit of thought and care and you can create a, a blank space into something really nice. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm lucky enough to work with some really skilled architects, but you can certainly look things up online, like mm. we can learn anything online these days. Yeah. And um, just ask around or visit nurseries and, and definitely do it yourself. I'm definitely aware that, as I said, it is a luxury item. Mm. But I guess... For me, the clients that I try and get to, a like an ideal client for me is probably Knockdown Rebuild that has gone, you know, saved their money yep. or got the equity and they've gone, all right, we're going to try and factor in this much for the landscaping. And even better if they're actually talking to the builder early, like way, way before they need us and they can actually, like we can then talk to the builder and, and work out where the site needs to be cut and stuff like that to make sure that we're not wasting money on excavation and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, so there's definitely spectrums but anyone can, you know, you can you can build a, a veggie patch out of something you've got laying around in your shed and a few bags of potty mix, like, that and that, stuff. you know, to sort of, I guess, if I, yeah, that pretty segues back to housemates as far as that's what I want to do. Like, mm-hmm. I actually now want to take the skills and knowledge and I guess the passion that I have and try and educate and hopefully inspire, like, Anyone to just get into it, whether they've got a balcony or indoors, mm. or they're renting or buying. Um, there's just a little bug in here, which is quite I, funny.
0: People can't <laughs> see this, but you're constantly <laughs> waving your hands around.
1: It's the irony because I, really, I, really I brought a beautiful plan in here for Ashley, and there's I brought a couple of bugs in, so we wanted to spray that. And all of them home. have just gone to you. Yeah, is that's it? all right. They love me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like <laughs> I, I, I really am, genuinely excited for mm. where the next few years can go for me personally and the business, and hopefully the people at Canberra to um yeah get them hopefully excited about about plants again and um this yeah as i said the spectrum for that is huge and i've got some other ideas i'd love to actually build a bit of an urban farm somewhere in canberra Um, i'm just applied for a grant yesterday oh nice and i basically want to try and in a public space somewhere where we can have um you know accessible vegetables growing and for people to get their hands dirty and see really how easy it is and and how encouraging it can be to grow your Mm. own but yeah, I won't, there's there's a thousand different ways I feel like this business could go, but I do need to yeah. Knock it all down at some point. Yeah.
0: How many people do you have working for you? It's just me, Ashley,
1: and my mum and my auntie give me a hand for, for housemates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mum doesn't help you with housemates. And then with Revive, I've got an awesome team of three guys. Oh, three guys. Yeah, okay. so Gab, Shane, and Troy. And, you know, Gab's been with me for nine years. Funnily enough, he actually used to be the head chef over at the refectory. Oh, no, And um, I met him through here, and now he works for me. So yeah, that's yeah. a really cool story. And then um, Shane has been with me about six or seven, and then Troy a couple of years. And they're awesome. Like, that's the reason why I have this freedom to mm. pursue, you know new business ideas and stuff yeah. like that as long
0: as you don't dump too many on top of each other but.
1: yeah yeah that's right absolutely because <laughs> you
0: seem like somebody that you know is just on the go but I
1: definitely that's, am. that's
0: fantastic by the way with the whole house plants thing I, i'm sure that you noticed there was a bit of a revival with house plants that happened exactly past covid right yes people had time to to be around their homes more um you know the whole plant goddess thing came out and all the rest of it and yeah. also the death of well, I shouldn't say the death of, but most certainly a reduction in the appeal of fake plants as well. Because, yeah. you know, if you go back, so then, then going another two years in the other direction, it, like, fake plants were quite a big thing, you, you brought know? up
1: a bit of a sore spot with me.
0: Well, <laughs> I mean, I was going to ask you the plastic, really dumb question. What do you plants. think of plastic plants?
1: I think it doesn't sit well. I mean, even synthetic grass, I've had a hard time with over the years. Yeah. It's just, if we go there, like it's plastic, it heats up the ground. And the same thing with plastic plants. Like it's just... I was just in the refectory having lunch and, yeah, having that plastic around there, I think people can tell. I feel like I just did a cafe fit out actually for 54 Benjamin and I loved hearing um, the client say, you know, I could do plastic plants here but I know it's a bit quiche and, like, I'm not going to do that. I want to spend money on real plants. He's like, people can tell the difference and you can feel the difference. Mm. So I understand it's cheaper. You just stick it on a shelf. You don't worry about it. But I think that takes away from why plants are so great Like they actually force you to slow down. They force you to think about something. They might die. It doesn't matter. You get another one. Um, You get to see them grow and change. Like a living sculpture. So how do I feel about plastic plants? I mean, yeah, it's... it's, (laughs) I think you've said enough. Yeah, it's it's tricky. I mean, it just, it doesn't sit well.
0: Could you not argue that plastic plants are a gateway drug to real plants?
1: Um, I would argue that <laughs> indoor plants are the gateway drug to outdoor plants. Uh, that too. <laughs> yeah. That's see what I mean? I've actually said that line to Rosalie before, so you've got that marketing brain. So uh, I know,
0: cool. I know. Rosalie and I see how <laughs> yeah. to I. Um I mean, no, the, the reason that I say that is I, I think, you know, maybe that the whole thing with the plastic plants was that people want what is a real plant, but for mm. some reason, too difficult, uh, bad conditions, don't know, don't have the ability of, say, the business that you have where it can get delivered, and they just go too hard, I'll just gem this here, but I love greenery. And maybe all jokes aside, you know, (laughs) being a gateway drug or not, (laughs) the truth is that if that could be a real plant and didn't require that much more effort, I'm pretty sure that everybody that has a flake one would say, I'd love a real one, thanks. I hope
1: you're right, Ashley, because that is why I'm here. Like that's, to to be completely honest, like the plants that I want to sell, I, I'm I tried and tested because I neglect my plants. I'm too busy. My plants don't get watered as often as they should. Um, I've got friends that use apps that tell them what days to water and they'll rotate them and miss them and spray them. And, you know, I brought a plant to you that's got a bug on it. So, you know, I don't, they're not, they're not as precious as we think. And yeah. I think that's the message I'm trying to get across. And it's going to be hard, to be honest. Like I'm up for a real challenge here and how I do that. I think it's going to take a lot of, um, a lot of marketing, a lot of, sort of awkward face-to-camera videos for me. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. Let's,
0: let's think about it this way. So you know if you purchase um, flowers, right, for someone as yeah. a gift. Now, flowers are – I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's several ones that are quite cheap. Emily's good enough <laughs> in this bit. But anyway, <laughs> but if you like a good – good, probably about 50 bucks, right? Yeah, I'd say now, uh house houseplants, I would say, you know, around $50, there's plenty of different plants. you yeah, can get absolutely. different sizes. There's, yeah. there's all sort of things you can get yeah. at that cost. W- what maybe is required is that we think – you know, flowers will only last for, I don't know, a week and a bit if you're lucky. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Then there's some that will last longer. Yeah. But ne- ne- they're probably for that period of time, right? Yeah. And yet, if you spend the same amount of money on a plant, you're likely to get, even if you're really bad at it, at least a couple of months, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll So like... there is maybe that change in the mindset. And I mean, yeah. maybe I should start buying plants for Emily rather than flowers. want
1: to have both. I'm sure she'd appreciate both. Okay. That's not, I'm going to have to edit <laughs> that bit out. <laughs> But seriously, like my house has got a lot of um, um, yeah, a lot of flowers, a lot of plants because I love both. Um, yeah. I think the appreciation of flowers, though, actually, you could argue is probably because they only last a week and a half. Mm. Like, if you actually appreciate the fact that you have something there that is in color and bloom, and you know it's not going to be there forever, sure. so you know you can you can probably go down that path too. And and they're yeah, they're they're both great in their own right.
0: Yeah, maybe the logic around you know picking up some flowers, we could actually just. Make it a little bit more casual. I think what I'm trying to tap into is something you've mentioned a moment ago, which yeah. was if the plant dies, that's okay. Yeah. Actually, most people, I would argue, would find themselves as – you know, being bad parents and kind of failed, failed people, carers if they die. And they actually take it quite personally. I mean, I know I anxious, do. Every time 100%. a plant dies, I either get angry at it. Like, why did you die? I did everything for you. Or you just feel this self-disappointment that you didn't look after it. So I think people will probably fight with a bit of guilt. But, but if you release that a little bit and just go, go a bit casual, that's fine. Try a different type. Yes. Get some advice. You know what I mean? You can make this happen. And it's yeah. okay. It's, it's a cycle of life, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, we don't seem to cry every time the, the flowers are who bought uh, – dying a week later we just yeah. think oh that's part of the process where i'm getting to is that maybe if we keep it a little bit more casual in our minds around plants, that that would be an easier thing for us i to feel like i with. need
1: to start filming you actually because you're pretty much <laughs> summing up everything that i'm trying to get to people and um you know i have to reflect on so how i got into plants or indoor plants i guess i had an interest sorry just to flip back a bit sure so five or six years ago with my landscaping i guess i saw a. I was seeing living walls so green walls yeah. and i i put my hand up and went to Sydney and helped a guy there who was doing some great stuff and just learned a bit about that and started learning about indoor plants and um, realized I knew nothing about them or these species. And I was like, what's this? And he was going, that's a spathiphyllum. If you don't need that, know that plant, Dan, like that's like the OG indoor plant, the peace lily. Hmm. And... Um, after that, I was like, well, this is cool. I'm going to dive into this. And I went to some, I'm really lucky to have gone to a lot of wholesale nurseries and I was just seeing all these plants. And I was like, this is amazing. How have I not seen these? And why can I not get these in Canberra? And so that's what kind of, that was kind of what kicked me into to to realize there was a gap in the market, but it also spurred my interest in, you know, the indoor Mm -hmm. plants. So I just mentioned that because I'm not naive enough to think that, you know, people listening to this aren't going to feel a bit out of their comfort zone potentially. Sure. But that's kind of the point, right? Like you pick up a hobby, you learn something. And what I'm what I'm learning already in the last few months is people get addicted really quick. I've had someone I've sold, you know, eight plants to four different orders and they're like quite anxious. I'm um, wow, talking about a gateway drug. That joke 100%. worked pretty really well. And then, um, but- but they're loving it. You know, it, it's giving them purpose and they're now like caring for their colleagues' plants at work. Mm. And so, like, I think, and that's really cool for me to see. Like, even my own mum, like, I gifted her some plants and now I go there and it's full of plants. Like, she just buys plants either from me or elsewhere. And um, yeah, so she's enjoying that. So, you know, when I witness stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, like, this is not just me. Like, I think there's, it's innate in us to want to be around a bit of greenery. And, from a personal perspective, I'm like, what a great way to spend my time, like, mm. giving people plants. Yeah, definitely. That's pretty cool. And so, it's good for the
0: environment and all yeah. the rest of it. So I think, it, yeah, no argument there whatsoever. Actually, the um, you've mentioned something about, you know, people slightly feeling mm. not comfortable at like, trying to make decisions. Do you have advice around that? Because, I mean, you know, you saw all these different names of plants and different species and you kind of went, wow, this is amazing. And you absorbed it, which mm. means you must be very good at Latin, by the way.
1: I'm hopeless at Latin. Well, then I don't know
0: how you do it because I think.
1: <laughs> I can't pronounce them. Well, yeah. That's why but I you, mumbled spathiphyllum. What's, what's this thing, yes. Yeah.
0: Um, but I think where I'm getting to is that, you know, a lot of people would also, unless you kind of get into, yeah. get into the weeds, pardon me, yeah, the yeah, joke, yeah. that the truth is that it is an overwhelming world to be in. It's huge. Do you have any kind of pointers on how you fight – decided to make sense of what is ultimately an overwhelming amount of information about plants. Yeah. Um, And how do you tap into that passion without, yeah, kind of thinking this is just too much?
1: I guess dip your toes in the water. Like, um, yeah, start with the easy care plants, which, I mean, you could easily Google easy care indoor plants and you'll find some stuff. But Mm. there are some that are pretty tough. Um, and that might give you the more confidence. That's literally how I did it. You know, I, I bought a few for home. I was like, oh, I'll try this, I guess. And they survive and thrive, so you buy a few more and a few more, and you might kill a couple, and you realize mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world. Life goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, for me, I was lucky enough to study horticulture. I've got a you know diploma in horticulture, so I guess I did get to learn a bit of plant biology, and we had to yep. do plant ID. So, I, yeah, you're right. I did have a bit of a background in... Latin, but also learning about genus and families and mm. how plants grow and photosynthesis and soil matter and stuff like that. So again, like I don't, I don't forget that you know that's not necessarily common knowledge, but it is out there. I mean, there's a million podcasts, right? So there's, sure. there's podcasts. There's a book I'm reading right now, which is a bit nerdy, but it's about soil. Mm. Um, I mean, I think it's it's all about what you're into, right? Like yeah. it's not going to be for everyone, but some people might love it. Um, but there's just so much information out there now and I mean even with the housemates website, I'm trying to make sure that with every plant I am listing what that plant needs so people can buy it feeling confident that mm. they have a spot for it um, they can look after it and you know they're not I'm not selling plants that are super hard because I have to look after them before I sell them sure. So I'm trying to test out you know species that are pretty tough. And um, Canberra climate's quite tricky, mm. indoor and out. You know, we have a lot of heating and air con, so the air quality changes yeah, quite a super lot. Super cold and super hot. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to choose species that people can feel quite confident with. Um, and, yeah, so I don't know. if that That's probably – it's up to people's interest levels, I guess, just like everything, right? I
0: mean, maybe the way to do it, Who find it overwhelming, is just pick a good article out of somewhere that gives yeah. you the basics. Yep. And then literally just go for the easiest stuff and what appeals to you, I guess, aesthetically, but then just find out the conditions are okay for where you'd like to have the plant in your home. Yep. And let's just start with one and see how it goes. Yeah, that's
1: it. That's good advice. I mean, I'm I'm actually working with Rosie. I wrote a little plant care tips that was in Canberra Weekly, and I'll put that on a blog on the website soon. And that's just 10 little tips, which, to be honest, I think if you read that, you'd be sweet. I just talk about using good soil, choosing the right plant for the right place, you know, watering once a week, um, spraying for bugs. And a couple of other basic things. Like, it's, yeah, it's it's not overly complicated or scary. Yeah. Like, and it's super rewarding for such a, like, basic tactile thing.
0: It is. It is. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing that you'll find comforting, I'm sure, is that, you know, the older people get, when you get into your mid-lives in your 30s, 40s, whatever, most people actually who've never been into plants and gardening, thought it was a complete waste of time, end up gravitating. Like, we as human beings tend to gravitate to it. And the thing that I always hear from people that are really into it way more than I am is that the investment that you put in what you get back is multiple times yeah i I completely understand that there is it does actually give back to you a lot more than you put into it It all you gotta do is just just start off
1: slows you down as well like i think life is so fast-paced um particularly now more than ever and the act of gardening is something that slows you down, um, and for me, I'm, I'm, you know, my partner now, she really appreciates vegetable gardening. So I've always had a keen interest in that. That's probably how I got into landscaping. Right. And um, however that happened, I think it was just in me somehow. I just started watching videos on compost and worms and um, I don't know all this weird stuff and started growing food and composting food scraps. And then I decided to be a landscaper. That's kind of the, the summary. But you know, <laughs> now that that Elka, she. Italian grandparents. She loves. Um, you've actually got some passata in your bag there, which she doesn't. She doesn't know about yet. So you've <laughs> got one of her her bottles of passata. But she, Amazing. I love growing it. She loves cooking and and bowling. She actually gets quite anxious. She's like, we've got to do it tonight, otherwise these tomatoes aren't going to be good. The bugs might get to them. And I think the reward there of growing food and tasting it and eating it like i don't know if you grow your own vegetables but like herbs yeah. herbs are great too like you get a lot of reward there and really good value but yeah herbs and vegetables are like your own homegrown tomatoes and corn and mm. just everything just tastes so good yeah. um financially sure might be more expensive if you added everything up and your time but does it matter? Like- but yeah,
0: there's other things that are the problem. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And mind you with the way inflation's going. Yeah, <laughs> that's Maybe true, not. Um, and, yeah, actually, look, why don't we jump back to that because you've just made a yeah. note of that, that, you know, <laughs> you read something like compost and then <laughs> yeah, went, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, were you born in Canberra?
1: I was. Yeah, and yeah. so,
0: oh, of course, and you met AJ. Yeah, yeah You guys were in yep. kindergarten? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Jeez. Oh, Four yep. years old. Yeah,
0: long, long story there. Yeah. We went to school and then – started
1: Uh, music business business
0: business. so you studied that
1: CIT, c-i-t yeah yeah so um i guess the summary is yeah always born and bred Canberra schooled through whatever um whatever schools and then didn't really know what to do. Didn't do great at college. I think maybe I just got a bit bored or something. I don't know. I didn't get good grades and was never going to university anyway. Mm. And then um, just took a bit of time, just worked for a bit, um, travelled for a bit, went over to Canada, came back. And I think I've always been pretty good at, at recognising that it's important to do something that you enjoy um, or that you connected with. And I've always had an interest or passion for music, but no musical talent. Hmm. So logically, I That's sort That's okay. It hasn't, yeah. That well, hasn't stopped many people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you, know. No, no, me. Well, me <laughs> but I thought, all right, well, you know, maybe a band manager or venue manager or something like that. So I went and studied music business at CIT. Yeah. had a really good time. Um, and then um, I fast forward forward. Anna Wallace, who worked at UC Live here, rang me up. She must have saw on my Facebook or something that I'd studied it and offered me a job. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I had a great two years working here, sort of helping run music events um sadly at the time there was no bar here i think because the students didn't show it enough respect so the <laughs> campus pretty much just went oh well if you're not going to respect it you got no bar mm. um so we had gigs in the refectory including dizzy rascal which was pretty awesome mm. and i helped out with um Stonefest and a couple of groove in the moves so that was a great experience and there's plenty of good stories from that but um as i mentioned to you before we sort of went on air i, I kind of learned pretty quick that it was a bit of a dog eat dog world for like lack, lack of a better way to say that i just i don't know we were, we were kind of around some pretty big wigs um and i was just observing the kind of personalities and the industry over that couple of years and it just didn't really gel with me um and it was a massive eye-opener and i definitely am very happy for the experience mm-hmm. and look to be honest i'd love to revisit it one day in some way whether it was my own plant shop that played live music or something. I've definitely thought about that or whether I had a few acres and we held a music festival. We're also talking about how that's not easy. Um, But, yeah, I still have a passion for music and I seem to be drawn to the thrill of, you know, running an event or – I'm sure you can probably attest to that as well. It's kind of a bit of an adrenaline rush. It sure is, especially when it comes together. Yeah, absolutely. And then just seeing, you know, a thousand people in one room Mm. having the best time ever or, you know, 15,000, whatever it is for Groove and the Moo. Like, there's a real satisfaction there and a real sense of purpose. Um, But, yes, that was kind of that. And then um, I guess I jumped out of that because I realized it wasn't really going anywhere and I probably needed to think about my career. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think for whatever reason, I was...
0: Was that the moment of reading about the compost?
1: I was going to say, it was around the same time I was watching YouTube videos on compost and taking food scraps to my mum's house and, you know, watching it <laughs> turn into soil and, and playing with a veggie garden at a rental. Um, I just... A lot of my mates were tradies and I guess I went, well, none of these trades really appeal for me, you know, electrical and carpentry and stuff like that. And I, I guess I must have saw an ad for for a landscaping position or something and then... I guess the rest is history, basically I, I worked for someone else for ten months and again maybe got a bit bored and naively thought I could probably have a crack at this and geez, I learned some hard lessons and worked ridiculously stupidly hard to you know get through those first few years and I feel like it's sort of starting to pay off now, but it's still a very tough industry yeah sure mm. so
0: but what what it seems like though that the passion for plants nature yeah wasn't. I'm sure it was ever present, but it Hmm. wasn't really born in you until you kind of had a moment to reflect on what your profession could be, and then you kind of thought, I don't know. This, I mean, it's a bit of a joke that you know, (laughs) playing around with the compost. But the truth is, there's something about the organics of it all that you kind of thought this is this is quite something special. Um, And also, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that maybe the experience of looking upwards. And not finding inspiration in the people above you in terms of the characters that they are or the environments that they're in or how they manage other people, whichever. Yeah. All above. Maybe you kind of went, well, the only way I can fix that is by trying to be better about working for myself and then being a leader to other people,
1: you know. Always very observant, Ashley. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You've nailed it, as I knew you would. Um, Yeah, and like I don't know where that fascination from the soil came from. It's it's so interesting what's just inside you because it wasn't like I've got a story that, you know, my parents were keen Mm. gardeners or my parents were even keen on music. You know, I was a kid in college downloading CDs off LimeWire and giving to my mates and being like, have you heard of this band? And I was just like so on it. And now the same with you know with soil and landscaping. Like I don't know where these things come from, Um, but yeah, that's that's it. And yeah, as I said, you nailed it. Like I guess um, I think I'm pretty good at just if I'm not enjoying an environment, I just I try not to settle there and I try and find a way out of it. And I I like to think that what I'm doing now with my business and the respect that I and the freedom I show my staff is what I wish I had. I guess. but, yeah, and there's a lot of freedom, as I'm sure you know, in sort of doing your own your own mm. business, big or small. So I really appreciate that. A lot of hard work, but a lot of freedom.
0: Are the people that you look up to now, that you kind of go, yeah, I really like the way they deal with, you know, their customers or their, their outlook on things? Or, because I guess, you know, before you looked upwards into the same profession and said, mm, I don't want to be like that. What do you take your inspiration from now?
1: I mean, so many things, but it's actually probably a pretty apt time to ask that question because I just came back from the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show. Hmm. Um, I got to help out. Sorry, where was it? Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show. Yeah, yeah. So I think it drew like 110,000 people. It's basically like floriade on steroids, but there's a bunch of um, like landscapers that will build massive gardens in nine days. And then Carlton Gardens Hall is filled with floral displays. Like everyone should go and just check it out. Um, it's on like a Wednesday right. to a Sunday. Emily's right? going
0: to listen to this, and we're gonna Emily's going go to love this, it. I'll yeah. see you
1: there next year. Jeez. And then, um, so I went along to that to help out. Um, so to answer your question, I admire many people, and one is um Joel from InStyle Landscapes. He has mm-hmm. a podcast. He is the most passionate landscaper I know. Like, mm-hmm. passionate people are just infectious, right? And I offered to help him. So he was building a display garden this year. It's a big deal. Like, you put a lot of your money and time into this thing, right? So you basically build this backyard in the middle of a park in nine days it's crazy and um i just casually so he had when he i was on his podcast some time ago and sort of stayed in touch with him he's got a great sense of humor so we have a bit of banter and um i just sort of casually said mate i'm going to come down to the show on wednesday anyway do you want me to come up a bit early and i'll I'll give you a hand and i think where i'm going with this is there's many people i look up to so there's him there's charlie albone there's jason hodges there's some like they're kind of the cream of the crop as far as Australia landscaping goes. You meet them, they're the most down to earth lovely people. There you go. Yep. The nursery people, like my industry that I'm in are just full of incredible people. And even more locally, I'm really proud of this. But during COVID I started a Instagram group with five other landscapers that I knew. There's now twenty four in there. So they're all essentially the same as me. Mm. We just share information. We talk about some hard stuff. We talk about the good times. We share contacts. Like Honestly, I said this on Joel's podcast, but it's it's an industry of just really lovely people, and I don't think that's I don't think that's normal.
0: So, so the thing is, you have found your people, and the good thing is that the people that you even aspire to are actually very good examples of
1: this. Hundred yeah. percent. I mean, Charlie <laughs> Alburn is someone you see on TV. I, I hung out with him. And he, he invited us through his garden. And we we're talking to him, and like a human, you know, he was, he wanted a coffee. He was exhausted. He was really proud. He won best in show, but. At the end of the day, they're just people, and they're just having a crack doing their best. Mm. So there's a bunch of people I look up to and and learn from, but I'm also aware that they've got their own challenges too, just they're different challenges. and And um, yeah, so if that answers your question. It sure does. And
0: talking about challenges, by the way, and you don't have to give me an exact – you know, example, but yeah. I'm just wondering, what is the hardest part of the work? I mean, you know, in business, a lot of people say the hardest bit is making sure you've got the right customers coming in or uh, fulfilling the amount of, you know, pressure that we've got uh, from customers for a particular product. Although, they might talk about, you know, not being able to get the right stuff around you. But what is it for you? Like, what is the hardest part of it?
1: For Revive? Or- for Revive, yeah. For Revive, it's, um, it's the classic skill shortage at the moment. Okay. I mean, look, I'm really proud of that business. Um, we've established ourselves in the market through a lot of good hard work because we've had such proud, you know, pride and integrity in our work. And I, I think I've instilled that in my team. Um, you know, don't rush. Let's take our time. Let's do it right. Um, because of that, I think we get a lot of word of mouth. Um, so finding work at the moment is okay. But I'm not going to become complacent there because there's sort of again in that group chat, there's discussions around the fact that people are finding the phones slowing down and interest rates and all that sort of sure. stuff. So I think, yeah, to answer your question, I think the hardest thing, and this is probably something worth sort of, um, yeah, you know, people knowing about, but the skill shortage in construction industry is no joke. Like it's it's tough. I'm also um, I'm also a teacher at CIT and and teaching some of the apprentices, mm. but. There's some coming through, but it's just not enough. And I don't know what's going to happen. And I know it's not just construction. It's not just landscaping, but, you know, it's probably hospitality and and whatever world you're in. But um, the biggest challenge is if you want to grow or even sustain yourself, how do you have more staff coming through? Because I can't find them. No one can mm. find them. And actually, to go back to what I was saying, Charlie Albone, he can't find them. This is a guy that's a host on Better Homes and Gardens. Mm. He put thousands of dollars in ads. You know, he's a he's a celebrity in the Australian landscaping scene. He can't find so, staff. They don't exist. So it's quite so, disheartening. So do they not
0: exist because oh, – well, I mean, let, let's just figure this out for a moment. let figure then. it out for us, man. Well, I mean, I no, I don't know. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to get to is: is it because people with a passion for this field just see better financial opportunities somewhere else? 100%. Is it that less people have passion for this because weirdly no one cares about this anymore? Which is probably not the case. No, I- what, what is it? Yeah, I'm just wondering. You know, in your field, is it is it the same kind of thing or not really? I mean,
1: I think you probably answered your own question. I think I think you're probably on the money. Um, but I don't. I mean, like, I, like I say, I know it's not just landscaping. So I'm no, definitely so. not into economics. But I imagine it's probably a bigger picture thing than yeah. just my industry. But I think you're, you're probably pretty close. Look, it doesn't pay well as far as the trades go. It's probably one of the lowest paying. Mm. I think it's changing. It is changing. I should say it's going up, which I am actually quite proud of. It's, it's hard as an employer. To not be like oh the staff keep coming for more money i've actually just recently had a bit of an epiphany i'm like hang on a minute this is actually great it means landscapers are being more highly regarded mm-hmm. um and it's on us now as business owners to value that as well and charge more so if we all do that as an industry then mm-hmm. you know that's where it can start to hopefully a- attract more staff because your apprentice rate's going to go up um but it's a tricky one to answer, but I think that it's a combination of everything you've mentioned. I mm. think it's not necessarily a super glamorous job. Um, I think it's probably a culture thing, I guess, if, I, if I'm if i thinking about it too. I mean, you look at like England and London. I've never been there, but my impression is like, you know, they've got the Chelsea um, Chelsea Garden Show and just their history. And when I think of, you know, those countries, they really love their gardens and they've yeah. got a long history of, of building beautiful gardens and showing them off. I think Australia is just not there yet and um, maybe, hopefully it comes, but maybe that'll never be a big part of our culture. But I mean, I look around and it's hard to reflect on where you were 10 years ago and where it is now, but I do feel like. And again, it could be the world that I'm in and the people I'm around and the mm-hmm. clients I'm in front of, but so maybe your opinion's better than mine. But I do feel like the landscapes that I see around Canberra are getting to a much, much higher standard than they were ten years ago. Yeah. So maybe we just need a bit more time. Yeah.
0: And even even the ones, you know, the ones that are obviously picking up a particular standard is one thing. But I think the general notion of neighbours looking at each other's yeah. walls and saying, well, you know, why don't we make our street presentable and maybe I'll fix this and I'll take that out. Uh, there is, a, like I said, a contagious thing of people wanting to have their communities look nicer. And I, I think that's, at least from, from what I've observed over the last mm-hmm. mm, all these years here, yeah. it's definitely changing.
1: It's also like the value of real estate, having equity in your home. Yeah. There's a lot to it, I think. So, I mean, to be honest, I try not to overthink it because it can be quite overwhelming. Mm. So, I just try and sort of focus on what's in front of me and just keep doing, you know, the best work that we can and, and not get complacent. So, I'm always trying to market myself and the business as much as, you know, within reason yeah. and um, make sure that there's a pipeline of work. And I think actually what's happened now is there's been a big shift whereas, you know, you used to be able to call a landscaper and expect them to be on site within two or three months. That's more like 12 months now or six, oh, six okay. or 12 months, I would say. But so we get stressed about that as landscapers, I can tell you, like, it's 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 probably one of the toughest things to disappoint clients like mm. that. But hopefully, that's a shift, right? Like, same as a builder. You don't expect a builder to start building you a million-dollar house tomorrow. Like, a $100,000 garden is no small thing. Mm. It's, you know, it's equivalent in that small world. Um, so hopefully, there's a perception change to, like, yeah, we need to actually start thinking about the landscaping a lot sooner than we're ready for it and, um, Hopefully that sort of helps everyone relax a bit and just take their time and have less pressure and just focus on doing, you know, building really beautiful gardens.
0: Yeah. I mean, the reason that I asked about the question about what's tough is I thought one of the things you might have said is that it's physical work.
1: Oh, of course. It's hard work, man. It is so hard. (laughs) I mean, because
0: I I thought that's – well – I just kind of thought that, you know, people are doing trades and I've got obviously friends who are, they've got their own businesses and all of them eventually say, well, there's only so much of this physical work that I can do. And they're trying to plan into the future, into their 40s plus and what that's going to look like, where they might not want to be constantly bending over and, you know, putting in wires into things. But then again, on the flip side, a lot of the people that I know that are in trades actually love the fact that it's physical and you come home tired in a physical sense and you're not sitting in front of a computer the whole day and and the last thing they'd ever want to do is sit in front of a computer you know looking at a screen i think it's its biggest benefit is also it's it's kind of negative as well
1: you nailed it again ashley i remember um i was actually reflecting on when i used to work here at at uc live i remember four o'clock would come around and i'd be like i guess i'll see you tomorrow and i had this weird sense of like at the end of the day, like, have I done enough? <laughs> is that is that it? And then, you know, I went into landscaping and at the end of the day, you're tired, but you can see what you've done. Like, it's the old, you know, cliche of literally being able to see what you've done and feel it and feel tired. And that's fine when you're in your early mid-20s, but facts are when you're in your 30s, like your body starts to slow down. And mm. and that's where, you know, that group that I talked about, we're all sort of around my age and this is a real thought. It's like, I can't keep doing this myself. I need more Young, fit labourers to come through, um, who are keen, passionate, and we can't find them. So I honestly don't know what's going to happen to the industry. And I'm not—I'm definitely not going to be doom and gloom, but I'm just curious. Like I don't—I don't know.
0: We'll see. I mean, the 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 interesting thing is that what drives it is. And anyway, like we were saying, there's an appreciation of <laughs> moving away from plastic plants. And mm. as far as I know, I've not seen any um, plastic gardens outside. No. Maybe they-
1: well, I mean, synthetic okay. grass is plastic. Oh, that'
0: true, true. But I mean, mm-hmm. people then tend to put them in the front,
1: right? Oh, uh, depends what suburb you're in. Okay. okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, actually, yeah, there is one. I'm not going to name them. There
0: is one in our suburb that I know. Because every time I look at <laughs> it, I'm like, why is that grass so? Oh wait, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's constantly perfect. Yes. But but um. Well, anyway, what I'm trying to get at is yeah. there's clearly an appreciation for it and we as humans tend to gravitate towards it. Therefore, there's always going to be a value yeah. that people place on this.
1: I mean, go for a hike. Yeah. If you don't feel something, if you go for a hike at Timmy Biller or something like, you know, I think I think it's, again, it's, it's innate in us humans to want to connect to nature and, mm. and to want to be around that. So,
0: Well, that creates demand, and demand creates resource, if we're talking about economics here. Yeah. So you could think that, yes, whatever's happening that's slightly out of balance at the moment, somehow that'll work. So whether it's the prices of what you do going up and therefore you being able to afford better wages yeah. and that makes it more attractive, that's one scenario. There's others, but I, I guess – You know, the fact that it's something that people want and need and connect to on a quite a basic level means that it's not something that can just disappear. Yeah. On the contrary.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely agree. I think, I mean, it'll go on, obviously. There'll still be people coming up. I think, I mean, the other thing I guess I think about is there's probably more people like me that are just like, well, I'm not going to earn X when I think I can go and earn Y if I start my own business. Mm. And then you quickly learn, (laughs) I want to go back and learn X because this is bloody stressful and hard work and I'm working 80 hours a week. But- there's more people that have started their own business, I think. Yeah. So, of course, that spreads the field, right? Everyone starts a business, gets three staff. All of a sudden, there's less people to employ. Yeah. A lot of battlers out there trying to run a business. So. Yeah. um But that'll change too. Like, I'm already sort of trying to set up my own well, – I am setting up Revive to – Basically open it up so that if someone wanted to come in, so someone had their own business and maybe they were losing staff and they want to come in and partner up, there's an option there as well. So mm. you just have to think outside the box a bit, I guess. And um, but look, we all love it. Like I can tell you now, like that group of the 24 people, we all love what we do. And yes, of course, we complain it's hard work and we complain about how much no, it all costs. We all complain about the work yeah. that we
0: do. Nothing is 100 100% 100%, great. That's
1: right. <laughs> but you know, you catch up with them and they're again lovely people. And I think we. We all genuinely get a lot of satisfaction out of what we do every day. It's just we probably wish we probably could earn a bit more money. But, I mean, again, who doesn't? Mm. Um, So there's nothing unique there. Um,
0: It's not like if, you know, you had this choice and you said, well, you could become one of those people that you looked at in the music industry. And you know, you knew that you could be, you know, getting a lot more money. You still wouldn't have made that choice. That's no, not who you want to be. Money. So you're not driven by that. You're driven by something else here.
1: I shouldn't say I hate money. Of course, we Sorry. all need money. But, um, but yeah, like I, you're spot on. Actually, I've been thinking about this too. Like, um, I actually had someone ask me the other day, like, how much money would you need to make it all better? And I'm like, it's not about the money. Like, mm. sure, a hundred grand in the bank would be amazing. But it's actually there's something about solving the problem. Without money, that's very satisfying as well. Um, So, yeah, you're right. Like, I I wasn't drawn to landscaping with the idea that I'd be on 100 grand in three years. Um, You know, I was drawn to it because I thought it was going to be interesting and I'd Mm -hmm. learn some skills and, you know, be able to spend some time outside. And
0: and you're fulfilling all of those things, which is probably why you feel quite good and optimistic Mm -hmm. about things in that way because you're essentially ticking all the boxes of all the things you wanted to do within it. The the money part of it is the operational component and something that's necessary, of course, but it's not the main driver. You didn't see a gap in the market and said, I'm going to make a motor. 100%. Yeah,
1: that's where it's coming to. And that's hard too, because when you are trying to attract staff, and I've done this, I've been really honest with apprentices and say, look, this is not a high-paying industry. It's really difficult. You're going to work the hardest you've ever worked in your life. (laughs) but I'm going to pay you 20 bucks an hour, you know? Like, are you sure you're ready for this? So I am, you know, I'm good at being honest with people because I don't want to talk to them in two years when they're going, Dan, I'm struggling to pay rent. I'm saying, look, I'm sorry, man. Like, I told you, yeah, you know, I tried to have this conversation with you. Like, it's just, it is what it is. I can't, I, you know, we're competing with with the industry and this is what the industry pays. Um, so that's a challenge as well. Um, but I'm trying to fix that by, you know, finding these higher end projects, um, trying to get you know, more value out of our projects. We charge a bit more, yep. hopefully. But you can't. You can't just go and charge twice as much as everyone else. Like, people aren't silly. They're going to get three quotes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm forever trying to find that sweet spot where – you're, you know, making enough money to run a business where you can look after your staff, you can look after yourself, um, mm. and hopefully that keeps going up. But it's it's pretty challenging, man. It's it's pretty challenging, but it's um it's a good challenge to try and solve.
0: Let's think about it that way too. That you know, th- we're talking about the change in Canberra, which I, I agree with you. I think even somewhat objectively, people can tell that that suburbs are. You know, we've got some pride in their community per- appearance and so on. And the thing that made me think, you know, I mentioned Arrowtown um, mm. somewhere through this podcast. The other thing that popped into my head um, is Barrow. Like so what's interesting about Beautiful. that place is, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, but what makes it interesting is that apart from natives, they've got a lot of European-based trees there, the gardens yeah. are very well manicured and all the rest of it. In fact, I, I think the appeal of that is because it's quite stylized, in a particular sense. There's Um,
1: space there too, actually. I think it's probably what appeals. Like it's not so cramped. Like when you get out of Canberra and you realise that we're putting these massive homes on these tiny blocks.
0: It's a very different approach, right? My point to this, that if it wasn't for all that planning and all that effort, and if Barrel was just standard bush, right, it would lose most of its appeal, I would actually say. Yeah, 100%. It became a bit of a hub for the vintage and the quirky and whatever else, A, because of where it is, but two, most certainly because of what people have decided that consciously this place is going to look like. And I don't know whether they had a town meeting and said, that's what we're going to do. I have no idea on the history. Probably
1: just the capitalist economy we live in. Is probably, <laughs>
0: but, but something's happening that, that was obviously proactive to make it look the way it does. Uh, where I'm getting to is that the community there has found an investment into... Uh, landscaping that essentially has paid off very well. Yeah. Now, I'm not suggesting that all Canberra should do the same thing, but the pride in what we do, and there could be very different gardens, could most certainly kind of give that to us as well. hundred percent.
1: It's probably also like I touched on with the plants. Like it's for for some people, it's not for others. Like there's still people that just want concrete and, you know, they don't don't care about plants. They they just see it as a burden that they have to look after and feel guilty when it has weeds. And (laughs) I get that too. I do. Like my garden needs a lot of work. Um, But- I think, yeah, like to answer I think, I mean, Bower was probably somewhere that over the years, yeah, there's probably some history there and hopefully a bit of planning, but maybe it's just what you touched on before about like one person did their home really well, turned it into a and b mm. and someone else went, oh, they've actually invested in their garden. Or maybe it's just the fact that there's more agriculturally, you know, knowledgeable people around that area, sure. some great nurseries, you know, people growing wine and they've gone, well... Let's combine all our skills Hmm. and let's up the level here for Bower or like, I don't know. That's a good point. But, and with your point on the suburbs too, I think they probably attract the certain people, like the new suburbs, people want to be in the, you know, seven-bedroom home that's huge on a small block to have their friends around entertain. That's for one people. Other people that want to, like me, want to have a 100-square-meter home and a big garden. Like, they're going to live in the old suburbs and go, I'm going to put a shed here and I'm going to, you know, have some hobbies and have a deck to have my friends around and have a smaller house and a bigger garden to grow veggies. Mm. So I guess, you know, People that want to live in Watson, Ainsley, you know, nice places that are sort of flat with beautiful gardens, they'll live there and accept that they've got to pay a premium. People that are happy to live in a, an apartment or a townhouse might go to a different suburb. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It is, it is quite interesting, isn't it? There's yeah. definitely a bit of psychology behind all of that. And, um,
0: there is. I, and I guess where I was getting to is that Ari, if Arrowtime was a very conscious decision yeah. a highly regulated one... Um, if Barrow is maybe less so, somewhat organic, but also maybe then proactively joined by lots of people who go, let's let's start make, making a go down this direction because it gives us visitation and tourism or what have you. Mm. I, I guess maybe, <laughs> I mean, maybe Canberra can have the same thing that either… As a community, so subconsciously or unconsciously, you know we start gravely heading to a particular appeal yeah, let's of do what it. garden should be. Okay. You know, and whether you've got you know two meters outside of your home because your home is massive, or whether you've got a really big garden, I still think it almost doesn't doesn't matter. No. There's a way of putting pride in both of those things.
1: It's nice to talk about it here and romanticise it, but I guess we're also time poor and stressed mm-hmm. and pulled in so many different directions and yeah like i don't don't have kids and i can imagine i have so much admiration for people that have careers or um
0: talking about aj yes (laughs) right
1: right, businesses and kids like it's just um yeah i'm a very very fortunate um man to be sitting here as someone that has time to pursue all these interests of mine mm-hmm. um so i'm definitely not naive enough to to know that yeah these things are a bit of a privilege to spend time in the garden yeah. and potter and the around. cost that we mentioned and think, the cost yeah. yeah so like um but yeah like Bower, maybe uh, as an example of just go back and Bower, maybe their council invested in it maybe they just went know you what know what like let's actually put a budget aside and let's employ 10 staff people to actually look after the grounds
0: but the other side of it though is, you know, we've obviously got the bush capital kind mm. of tag attached to Canberra. Yeah. There are most certainly gardens where it's most certainly a very natural bush garden. Yeah. But what's interesting is that the people that are there are helping that garden have shape and a structure and a growth. So they don't they don't seem to be planting anything in, but they look after it in such a way that there is this quite a beautiful order to it. Mm. And I'm thinking that's actually quite clever because mm. they've not invested in purchasing these plants and so on. They've invested in the knowledge on how to make it look its best yeah, and thrive. And nothing's dead in there. And I, I thought that was actually quite – there's probably a lot of potential for that here too.
1: Yeah, well, natives do really well in Canberra because yeah. of our quite tricky climate. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I love seeing a, a native garden. And it's actually a really smart choice because, you know, we go from 40-degree days – sorry, 40 degrees days to minus five. <laughs> so, like, we need to find plants. I always get jealous. In the same
0: day and night? Yeah, yeah
1: I always get jealous when I go to, like – Sydney or Brisbane, and I just like my jaws just open. I'm like, how are they growing that there? And like everything's just so lush and mm-hmm. growing. Whereas in Canberra, it's it's a pretty tough climate to garden. It's super hard. <laughs> super <laughs> hard. So, yeah, like it's um, – so the natives work quite well here. So, yeah, to your point, like I think um, people do that either deliberately or they find a way to embrace it and, and just look at – that's actually a really good way to look at gardening, see mm. what's working around you mm. and incorporate that in your own gardens, whether it's walk for it down the street and have a look at what's working in people's front yard or literally what's happening when you're on a hike or – yeah out in the reserve or whatever it is and you know what's
0: flourishing yeah how that's working yeah yeah yeah, yeah take some sure.
1: photos and ask friends or go to a nursery and say what plants this i want to get 10 for my front yard and pop them in and
0: mm. at least you know that their likelihood of them actually enjoying yeah. being there is quite high yeah and then just know how to look after them during that particular time and that will be less of an investment than, than trying to completely change your garden yeah. from scratch yeah so um, i guess
1: like the indoor stuff the outdoor stuff you can kind of ease your way into as well yeah. right like everyone's probably got a bare patch in their garden they could go to a nursery and or hit me up and i can give you some plants but there's there's so many other ways you can easily pick up some plants and put them in the garden, um, and just yeah, hopefully start to fall in love with gardening a bit. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: Well, look. Um, let's do it this way. I, I think people should probably keep in touch with obviously your business just because that's going to keep on growing, and ultimately you said that within some time you might look to extend that a little bit beyond house plants in itself. So that's that's kind of worthwhile. Um, and obviously in terms of revive, people can lean into you as well for advice and and all the rest of it. Um, so it might be twelve months that they could get you in, but who knows? Yeah. Who knows, you know, things reach change. Out. So no, yeah, definitely reach out to you. But no, thanks thanks for the for the story. I mean, I knew that all of this must have come out of a form of passion more than anything else. So yeah. I guess this conversation just solidified that. Yeah. But I love the fact that you also changed your your career, so to speak, based on who you want to be as a reflection from other people. Yeah. I think it's a nice way of doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah. So now you can be a beacon of hope to other young people They want to be more like you. See oh, how this works?
1: That's a lot of pressure, but I'll try my best. It's
0: a circle of life. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks Thank for the chat.
1: You. Thank you, Ashley. Appreciate it. <laughs>
0: So there you have it. That was my conversation with Dan. I hope you enjoyed that insight into the world of landscaping and of course the new things that he's currently working on as well. I urge you to check out the websites either Revive Landscaping or NewHouseMates.com and that is essentially where you can find out about the business which is all about plant delivery right to your home. Let's see how the business grows over the next couple of years. If you'd like to get in touch with me, then the usual ways would be great either Instagram at Behind the Bio podcast or on email ashley underscore at artbookcom I always love to hear from you. And again, I'd like to thank the coordinate group for supporting this podcast series from the very beginning. Until next time, I hope you can catch me at the next episode.